Let me tell you what will make your neck feel better. You know, I have neck issues. You may tell you what to make your neck feel better? It's for your hip to hurt, okay? <laughs> so, so I don't know what's going on with me, but I've got, uh, I've got something going on. So I walk like I'm a crippled, but I'm not quite crippled, but I'm getting there. And so, anyway, your Bible's open. To first, first uh, I tell you what, go to, go to Ephesians. Let's just jump there. Ephesians chapter 5. Your Bible's open to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> While you're finding that, uh, thank you, Moses. Thank you again. Thank you, Cindy, for, for playing. Um, again, I want to thank, uh, I don't say this enough, but I'm grateful for our, our uh, maintenance team, that our volunteers that do our yard every week. We have groups of men that meet up here every week and cut our grass, and that's no easy or small task, and I am so grateful for the hard work those men put in. One other thing I need to mention to you is um, Wednesday nights. Uh, we have started our summer schedule, and so what we're doing on Wednesday nights, instead of having supper at 5.20, we're calling it snack supper, Wednesday night snacks, and we start about 5.45. But we need volunteers to sign up to bring snacks. Now, temporarily, Rhonda, can they see you if they're going to bring snacks for right now? Can they contact Rhonda? If you would let her know that you're willing to bring some snacks, whether it's this Wednesday or several down the road, do, do remember we'll be at the park sometimes. But we do need, here's what I told her Wednesday night, if you don't bring the snacks, we won't eat. So you need to see Miss Rhonda, and you need to sign up for, for snacks. So summer schedule for Wednesday nights is we 545 snacks sometime after six ish we have bible study for all the ages but the adults will stay in the fellowship hall so uh, during the summer we've done that for several years we just stay in the fellowship hall for for wednesday night bible study and fyi we are studying prophecy so if you want to join us on wednesday nights of course this wednesday robbie will be teaching for me i'll be be in new orleans so anyway so uh, you be here wednesday night wednesday night for that also, I want to remind you, I know I'm preaching announcements, but uh, on, in the welcome desk, there is this nominating uh, report, okay? This is almost the official document now. We've made all our corrections, but you can do us a favor by picking up a nominating uh, ministry team report and making sure if you've signed up for a ministry that it's on there, okay? Any corrections, you need to contact the church office. We need to produce this document. And this document's going to be good for two years. So, for instance, uh, let's say we have a, a building and grounds need. I'm just telling you, this is how it works. We have a building and grounds need. Let's say a light's blown up somewhere. Somebody may tell me. But who am I going to call? I'm going to call whoever's on the, the building and grounds team. How, how do I know that? Well, I go to this sheet and find who's on the building and grounds team. And I call the chairman and let them know we have a need. It just helps in us ministering to the needs, not only of the facilities, but of our people. So this is a very important document for the life of the church. And we will use this and function with this for two years in the life of the church. Folks, we are living, <clears throat> don't you think now, we started this back in January. But we're living in the light of eternity. Now we started that and there's two things about that theologically. Yes, we are living in light of eternity. We are eternal beings. 
Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has put eternity in their hearts. So everybody who's, every baby that's been conceived is eternal. Every human person is eternal. So God has put eternity in the hearts of men. And of course, we know based on the Bible, there's one of two places we will spend eternity. Either we'll spend it in eternity with Christ or in judgment and wrath and hell. That's what Jesus said. So, so we are eternal beings. Now that's part of it. living in the light of eternity. That's one part of the theological thought of that. But we say living in the light of eternity. And of course, we've been arguing and talk about the light is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the purpose of every believer is to be conformed. We know this is, we know this is true because this happens when we see Him. When you see Jesus face to face, the Bible says you'll be transformed into His image. That's His goal for you, is to be transformed into the image of His Son. But folks, we do not wait till we see Him face to face to do that. We start the process now. So our little theme sheets that say living in the light of eternity, that's our theme. And that's a theme that we're going to follow for the next, for the next couple of years. <clears throat> Before I read out of Ephesians chapter 5, I want to read you, these are some of the Bible verses. Now these are, if you have one of the little inserts, and you don't have to have this morning, if you look at the top right hand side of your bulletin, matter of fact, the, the, the overview is right there, and, you're right, and it's there every Sunday, the right hand portion of your bulletin. It has all about kind of our theme verses. And there's five now, and probably by another year from now, there'll be ten more. But the point is, this is, so you have a reminder. Here's, I want to read those five verses to you. And then I'm going to go to Ephesians 5 and read a, a good portion of Scripture out of Ephesians 5. By the way, isn't it interesting <clears throat> that, of course, we, you know that like when Paul was converted, um, I, Robbie talked some about this when we did, he did a, the thing on the light when we did our study in the park the other day. I don't know if you think about this, when Paul was converted, um, he was on his road to Damascus to persecute Christians and Christ showed up. And if you remember the question that Jesus asked Saul, his name was Saul then. Remember what Jesus asked him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So that's, that's profound in itself because it reminds us that the church is the body of Christ. So Jesus asked Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But, but three times in the book of Acts... Paul refers to his conversion. <clears throat> so three times in the book of Acts, Luke records Paul's testimony about being saved. I always think about how many times have you shared your testimony when you were born again. Think about that. Well, all three times that Luke records Paul's testimony about being saved, Paul mentions the light all three times. And it says something like this, especially in Acts 26 maybe, where he's speaking to Agrippa. He's given Agrippa a testimony. And he says, I saw, he, I'm paraphrasing now, but he says, Oh Agrippa, I saw a light greater than the sun at noonday. I love the way that he says it. At middle of the day, Paul says, I saw a light greater than the sun. Can I ask you something? What's the What's the most profound moment in your personal life? What's the, uh, 
What's the most significant moment in your life? For Paul, it was on the road to Damascus. And he said, whatever I experienced, the life that I met was greater in the Middle East, greater than the noonday sun, midday sun. He met the Son of God. Do you have the same kind of testimony? Is the greatest moment in your life is when you met the Son, the S-O-N, when you met the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, we know that uh, just as God created light out of darkness or out of void, Genesis 1, when you and I are born again, when that's why the Bible says we're a new creation, He transfers us from a world of darkness to light. Now, folks, i got to be honest. It's impossible for you not to know that you've gone from darkness to light. That's, you could not find a, a more significant analogy of, of a picture, a word picture of going from darkness to light. I want you to listen to these Bible verses. These are some of the verses you'll see in, in, at the top of your bulletin. John 1, 4. Just think about God's Word. In Him, John 1, 4. <clears throat> and you know John's Gospel. He's kind of repeating the first part of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. But he says in verse 4, In Him talking about Christ, in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. You can take that twofold. Obviously, Christ is the light of the world, right? In Him was life. Of course, then you go back to the book of Genesis. We know from reading the rest of the Bible, we know that when God spoke things into existence, it was the second person of the Godhead who made everything. That's what the Bible says. So in Him was life. And that life is the light of men. So for all of us that, that know Christ and have been transformed, we now walk in the light. It's not our personal own light. We're reflecting His glory. We're reflecting His light. In Him was life. And the life, the life, it's exclusive, has an article in front of it in the language. The life, nothing like being in Christ, having life in Christ. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Nothing like it. Ephesians 5.8, we'll come back to it in a minute, says, For at one time you were darkness. It doesn't say you were part of the darkness. It says you, you were in it. You were part of it. This corrupt, fallen world. You were part. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And then Paul says, walk as children of light. And that word ch child or children is always an interesting word because you can translate it offspring or born ones. All His born ones walk in the light because they're His. And He's the light of the world. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in man's heart. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, this is where we were last week. For God, this is verse 6, we did verses 1 through 6. For God who said, now listen to how profound this is about salvation. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
You know, Jesus said in John's gospel, in John 1 at the end of the chapter, that there's only one that's ever lived that's manifested God's holiness. Um, it's, a, it's a word you, you might hear if you're ever in theology, but it's the word exegete. doesn't matter what the word is. But Jesus says about himself that he exegeted God. And that word means to explain, to expose the meaning of. And there's only one, it's the Son, that explains God the Father. So the only way you can know God the Father is through who? You can say it, through Christ the Son. The only means, that's why when Peter preached, you know, he said, first sermon, there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So again, I have to ask you, is that you? Are you in the light? If you are, then you've been transformed. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light everything that's hidden in darkness. And then it says, and He will disclose the purposes of the heart. That's one of the things the true light's going to do when He returns. He's going to do that for believers when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. He's going to do that to unbelievers when they stand before the great white throne. He's going to expose the purposes. Think about that. The purposes of the heart. Aren't you glad that Christ died for your sins? If God's going to expose the purposes of your heart, aren't you glad that Christ died for that? What's unseen is going to be seen, but only by Him, and it's through the redemptive work of Christ. Here's Colossians 1. I didn't give this reference in the, in the focus, but here, listen to God's Word. Paul says to the Colossians, So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power from His glorious might, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's qualified you. When I go to the convention, I have to take, I have to take a document that qualifies me to be a messenger from this church. Well, there's only one that qualifies you to be transferred from darkness to light, from judgment to righteousness. Who is that one? That one is Christ. And it says He, he qualified you. He, Christ imputed to you His history so you would be able to stand before a holy God. He qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And then He says... Verse 13, Colossians 1.13 He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Let me read that again. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Emma, where are you? Hey, that's what's happened to you is you've been transferred from the domain of darkness to His glorious light. She'll make that public in just a minute. Aren't you glad I didn't do that to you? But Sorry about that, Emma. So, so if you're saved, at some point in time in your life, you were transferred from the domain of darkness in, 
to the light of the glory of the Son, the beloved Son. So, folks, His history became your history. And, folks, we believe that by faith. It's not about work. It's about faith. Now, your Bible's open to Ephesians chapter 5. And I just want to read the context of Ephesians 5, 8. I'll tell you what, let me pick up. uh, If you don't mind... Let's just, let's just read uh, the whole chapter. Let's read at verse 1, okay? Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. <clears throat> mimic is the Greek word. I don't know if you knew that, but mimic. We mimic the Lord Jesus. It says, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk, I can remember years ago that now I'm aging myself. And I'm not an old man, but I am older. I know that. Years ago, there used to be a commercial, and it, uh, it was encouraging people not to smoke. <clears throat> and uh, I'm sorry, I, um, that tells you how long ago it was. It was uh, encouraging people not. It was a commercial about non-smoking, not smoking. By the way, I'm, I'm not attacking you if you're, smoke, if you're a smoker and addicted to it. I'm addicted to food. You're addicted to nicotine. Let's just move on. But anyway, so... <clears throat> So the commercial was, I don't remember all the things, but it was about a little boy sitting with his daddy and they were under a tree and his dad took out his cigarettes and, of course, most of us have smoked at some time. I did it because I was cool. Didn't you do it being cool, smoke cigarettes? Anyway, the dad pops that, pops the pack, it's open, you know, they're all, and you've done it. Pop it and that cigarette pops out. Are you with me? You're a smoker, weren't you with me? Okay. Before you got to say, so you pop it and that cigarette pops out and he takes it and he starts smoking it. You, y'all smile, you know what I'm talking about. And, and the little boy is watching. And of course the, the message is, kind of, you know, I don't say that's not what they said, monkey see, monkey do. But the point would be, he's going to follow in your footsteps. So they were saying, hey, if you're smoking, your, your son's you know, going to smoke. I, anyway, great commercial. But we're, by the way, how do you imitate somebody? I, I, you have to study them. Interesting. Be imitators. Okay. So he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, <clears throat> and gave Himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice of God. You'll notice walk in love. There's several walks he mentions in Ephesians. <clears throat> One of those is walking in love. Okay. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. I love, I think the New King James says, coarse jesting. Uh, Locker room banter. Dirty jokes. Off-colored jokes. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. Look what he says, which are out of place. It's out of place for believers, isn't it? Isn't it? Shouldn't happen. But But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or, or covets, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. 
Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Paul does much the same thing in 2 Corinthians 6. You know, when he talks about, you know, what does light have in common with darkness? What in common does a believer have with an unbeliever? Absolutely none. So we're not to live like unsaved people. How can you be a witness to people when you live like them? You know, that's... I'll be honest with you. That's what keeps your mouth shut. That's what keeps my mouth shut about witnessing. It's my own hypocrisy. My own disobedience. Your disobedience. Your hypocrisy. Folks, it's hard to talk about something when you're not living it. We're not to live like lost people. But look what he says in verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I think about when God called Israel out of Egyptian bondage. He, you remember He did the, the, the cloud by day. This is in Exodus. It says uh, the cloud by day, right? Delete them. And wherever the cloud went, they went. And then at night, there was what? The pillar of what? Fire. And so one good thing is because they were on the run, they could travel 24-7, right? So anytime God, they, would, they could move. But, but then it says that God's presence never left them. Cloud by day, fire by night, which is great. But then it says His presence never left them. So they were always walking in the light. Well, do you know that when you and I got saved, that's true for me and you, right? Right? His presence never leaves us. We're, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He, the Bible says several times we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. God saves us and His presence never leaves us. So at any moment of any time, you and I have the power to be walking in the light and living in the light. We don't have to fool around with darkness. For at one time you were darkness, but now you're a light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Take no part in them but instead expose them. One of our responsibilities is to call sin, sin. You know, it's uh, a big thing is the world loves to, to change our terminology and uh, redefine things. And we've bought into that to some degree. It's, it's a sickness it's some kind of, you know, people need therapy. No, they don't need therapy. They need Christ, right? There needs to be repentance and transformation, not some, some therapy uh, at a, you know, a psychologist. They need the power of salvation is what they need. Uh, the things that the Bible calls abominations, you know, we've, we've turned into just sexual preferences, but the Bible calls it an abomination. It's vile and unacceptable. So, you know, we've gotten into that. We, we've changed that. We've changed. 
we're not very discerning about that. So he says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. By the way, i just tell you that the, the, the apostles did that. Um, in the book of Acts, when Peter was preaching, well, every time Peter preached, he mentioned the guys, he would mention what the guys did that crucified Jesus. He pointed them out every time he preached and said, and you illegally crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. Which was interesting because at one time Peter was scared of those guys, but now he's calling them murderers in public places because he exposed their disobedience. That, that should be us. So he says, for it's shameful to even speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but you need to be walking as wise. Now, folks, briefly, let me, I've got three things I want to share with you before I do that. <clears throat> when you think about somebody being in darkness, okay, when we say that that God has brought us out of the darkness. What does it mean when I stand up here or the Bible says in dozens and dozens of places that lost people walk in darkness? What does that mean? What does it mean that you're saved and now you walk in the light and unsaved people are in the darkness? What does that mean? Well, let me give you four quick words. I won't really explain them, but four words we will pick them up next Sunday morning. I want you to think, number one, if you study the, study the Bible, you will find that the idea of darkness has to do, number one, with depravity. Now, don't worry about, maybe you don't never heard that word, but the word depravity is talking about the wickedness of the human heart. The, the heart of man is depraved. That means wickedness has affected every part of us. So when you say somebody's in darkness, you're talking about them being totally depraved. That means every part of their life is affected by sin nature. Every part. And really so is yours. But you've been given a new nature in Christ. And now those natures battle, right? So you don't, you don't walk in darkness anymore because you're in the light. Now the darkness battles you, but you don't live there. You battle it. So it's about depravity. It's about deception. Obviously, that would be probably the most common word you would use if you were to define what darkness means. It's, it's the idea of being deceived. Uh, the prince of the power of the air that now deceives the lost world. It's deception. To be in darkness means you've been deceived by the prince of the power of the air. The th third thing might be death. These are all D's. So it would be depravity, deception, and death. So, if anybody is in darkness, they are spiritually dead. Uh, from a, a common theme, you might even say they're the walking dead. Yes, they, they, they're animated. They, they look like they're alive, but they're really the walking, spiritually speaking, they are the walking dead. So when I say in darkness that people that are lost live in darkness... We're saying, or when you were there, when you, before God transferred you out of darkness into life, you were depraved, you were deceived, you were dead in sin. 
And then the fourth thing the Bible teaches about darkness is destruction. One of the references of describing hell and judgment is the darkness of that place of hell. Because there's nobody that's been in the light there. So it's so it when we think about being in darkness, we're talking about depravity, we're talking about deception, we're talking about death, and we're talking about destruction. Let me share with you two or three things, and I wrote these down and I'll be quick. Number one, why living in the light of Christ? Or, or let's just go back to John 1, 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. What in the world does that mean? For those of us that are saved, again, what does it mean that we have life in Christ, and because we have this life, we have the light? What does that mean? Number one, this life defines reality. And this one's thinking. Walking in Christ, whatever term you want to use, this is reality. This is, this is, being in Christ is what, it defines spiritual reality. Being in Christ is really what life's all about. It's really the only life. So when we talk about walking in the light, or we talk about the life that Christ gives, this is reality. There's no other true reality except for being in Christ. Everybody else is dead. It says, and you were dead. You know, Ephesians 2, if we walk back to Ephesians 2, Paul says, and, and, and we, or you, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So folks, you, you don't begin to live until you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when we talk about living in the light of eternity, number one, this defines reality. Hey, we know what life's all about. Don't you? Don't you? Think about, you know, when I was a young believer, um, I'm not getting into all the history around it, but they asked me to speak at this place. And you could have been, I mean, I was a young boy. I was a, just a young punk, but I'd gotten saved. And, and they wanted me to speak at this. You know, there's a bunch of people a lot smarter and older than me. But I could speak with confidence because I had the life. I knew what I was talking about. I had met the Lord Jesus Christ. I had the life. Well, folks, this is what, when the Bible says, in Him was life and the life, that's what it's talking about. It's a new reality. Uh, you've got the answer. <laughs> you've got the world by the tail, so to speak. I mean, you win. You've got it. You've got the life. And that life is in His Son. So it defines reality, number two. Uh, you... You really discover your role in the kingdom. So, number one, it defines true reality. Number two, you discover your role in the kingdom. Okay? When you get saved and, and Christ's life comes and dwells in you, that's great, but God places you in a church. I mean, He places you in the universal church, yes, but the biblical design is for you to go into a local church. You got saved and you were baptized. If you're here and you're a Southern Baptist or a Baptist, you got saved and were baptized into a local church because that's God's plan. You're to be in a, a church. And so not only did, did you know what reality is all about, but now you know what kingdom work is all about. He, he gives you, you discover what it means to be part of the body. 
So this life that we have, yes, we've passed from death to life, but also we've discovered life in the body. You know, we, we could go back to Ephesians 4. God gave pastors to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's our role. That's who we are. You discover, and I, that's why I think this nominating report, I'm looking at faces and I think about the conversations or, or text or emails I've had with several dozen people out here about working in the church and things they could do. Well, when you're saved, and, and in, that's, you discover the body. You discover that's what life's all about, serving the body of Christ. You know, the, the center of your life isn't sports, it's not TV, it's not your job. It, it, the center of your life ought to be the body of Christ. It ought to be Christ and His church. So when we think about this life we have, I know I'm out of time, when we think about this life that we have in Christ, it does define true, really living defines reality. But number two, we discover, really, you, you discover your identity. I, I can remember the first time, I mean, who are you in Christ? I mean, what, what gifts do you have? What when you got saved, the Bible says, with your salvation came gifts. At least one, singular, but most gifts, plural. Spiritual gifts. I'm not making this up. It's what the Bible says. When God saved you with salvation, He gifted you. Well, the Bible says, then you use those gifts. You can answer this. Where are you supposed to use them? In the church. You don't use them at the YMCA or the Red Cross. You use spiritual gifts in the body. Well, if you're going to use them, you have to be here and be working. That's what you need to be doing. So there's a whole different, there's a whole world, a whole discovery of who you're at. I can remember the first time I preached. It was, it, was, it was a car wreck. It was ugly. But you know, boy, that's forgetful. But you know, until you do those things, you, you don't know. You, so we're all discovering who we are. You know, what, if I said, what, where are you gifted? Where, what's, what's your role in the life of the church? I'm not asking you, do you pastor? I'm asking you, where do you serve? And folks, listen, most gifts, I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit, but most gifts are serving gifts. The word deacon word, diakone, but it's serving gifts. We serve, there are speaking gifts, but they're serving gifts. And, and so are you, the kingdom, are you serving the body? Building up the body. It says fitly framed together. That's what it says. Fitly, talking about stones being placed together and it builds up. But you have to be there. You have to be a part. So you discover your identity. Well, I've blown past the time. Uh, if you have your Bibles... Go to John. Go to John 15 real quick. So, this morning, two or three things to think about living in the light of eternity. Number one, John 15, go there. Number one, it defines life's true reality, if that's what you want to say. But not only does it define life's true reality, number two, it, it, you discover an identity. I, you saw a kingdom identity, a spiritual identity, a righteous identity, a Christ-like identity, whatever term you want to use, but there's a because you're in the body. You're not, you're not doing it alone. God saved you, not in isolation. He saved you to be part of a body. Uh, 
You know, I asked people, uh, one time I was in a, you know, I talked about going to, to uh, McDonald's. Haven't done that as much as I used to, so I, could, I get in conversations with people. And uh, I got in that conversation with a guy that wanted to talk about Jesus, but he hadn't been in church in like five, six, seven, eight years. So I asked him, I said, well, why in the world, if you're not going, why does the Bible mention the church 110 times in the New Testament if you're not going? I mean, is that not a good question? Was that not a good question? I thought it was a good question. So if, if the church is what Christ gave his blood for, and the Bible says the church is his own bride, I would guess it's important. If he died for it and he married it, I think it's important. So, you, so it's, and it is important to you. It's important to me. This is where, folks, I wished, uh, wished, that's a good southern, I, I would desire for us to fall in love with the work of the church like it was in the book of Acts. Folks, this is where you belong. I know that's our theme, a place to belong. This is where you belong. You coming to church should not be an exception. You missing church. You with me? That should be a big deal. But most people, many in this room included, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not attacking you, it's just life. Is, we've got to fix it. If you're coming here two out of five Sundays, that's not active. Try that at your job. That's not, that's not active. Um, if Christ died for it, I would assume it's important, and I want it to be important to you because the Bible says it should be. And when you're here, you discover things about your spiritual life you, 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 that you won't find anywhere else. So you have this kingdom identity you get when you're experiencing church life. I'm, I'm, in, John, I'm in John 15, and I, I know I've gone over, but I want you to follow with me just for a second, and then we'll, we'll get into our time of invitation. Uh, Look at, look at John. I tell you what, everybody knows John 14. Flip back to John 14. I want you to come to grips with what, what's happened in your salvation. Okay. Uh, John 14 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. John 14, 1. We, you all know this. This is, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Now, if you have a New King James, of course, I use ESV. I think New King James um, uses the word abiding places, uh, maybe. Uh, huh? Mansions? Well, somebody uses abiding places, but let's move on. So it says, In my Father's house are many rooms, mansions, is not a good translation, abiding places, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, just, I want you to, it's going to take me a minute to explain this, but I want you to see how important being in Christ is. The word for room is, is the word translated in chapter 15 for abide. That's why some translations say abiding room, okay? So, the, or abiding places. It's, you don't care what the Greek word is, but it's a noun and, and it's the word abide. You could translate the word house. You could, trans, you could translate the word dwelling place. It's where you stay. It's where your permanent residence is. 
So Christ is promising the apostles, it's a marriage thing, I'm going off, I'm your bridegroom, I'm going off, I'm preparing a house, a room for you. And if I'm going off, you're the bride, and if I go off and get the place ready, guess what? I'm going to come back and get my bride, and I'm going to take her home. That's the whole, so it's about a place. He's preparing a place. Now, go to John 15, okay? This, when we think about living in the light of eternity, yes, yes, it defines reality. Yes, we discover our identity. But folks, there's a massive responsibility for believers that never goes away. John 15, beginning at verse 1, says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Then He says, abide in me. Now listen to me. In heaven, Jesus has gone to prepare an abiding place. You with me? Shake your head like this. Help me. So we know Christ, no matter what your eschatology is, we know one day we're going to heaven, there's a new Jerusalem, and you have a house, you have a dwelling place there, an abiding place. Well, Christ now has an abiding place on this earth. Same word. One happens to be a verb, one's a noun. Christ has an abiding place on this earth. And you know who it is? You. You. Everybody who, who's been born again and has the life, Christ abides. And His presence never leaves. Now let me tell you something. That is security. It is. But if you step outside the security, do you know what it is? Massive responsibility. Christ is in me. Everywhere I go, everything I do, everything I do. Christ abides within. That is a massive responsibility. I represent Jesus everywhere I go. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's true, whether you're living it or not. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open unto the Lord Jesus. Folks, head bowed and eyes are closed and our hearts are open to the Lord and in just a moment, we're going to do what we've done many, many, many times. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. But with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I, I just want you to think about the claims of Scripture. What, what the Bible says about reality. Here's the reality that Christ is in you. He bought you with a price. He's your Lord and you should submit to Him. Now, does that describe your life? Is, is that who you are? I mean, when the Bible says you're the light of the world, well, let's just be honest. What kind of light are you? Are you a vibrant, burning, shining light like John the Baptist was? And Jesus talks about how his life illuminated all the unrighteous people around him and they got convicted. Is that you? Are you living the life of Christ? Are you pursuing him? So folks, the first part of any invitation at a church is 
is to us. Are you walking in the light? If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Folks, the light exposes. It purifies, but it exposes sin. Folks, if you're walking in the light, I'll tell you what you you should have done already today, and you'll do the rest of the day. It will expose your sin, and that it drives you to repent. The Bible uses the word repent, present tense. We're always repenting because we're always in the light. So the first part of the invitation has to be to those of us that are saved. If you're here today and maybe you need to recommit your life, join the local church, maybe you're not a member of the local church, whatever God leads you to do, that's what we want you to do. But also if you're here and you need to be saved, you're in darkness. Jesus is the light. Believe. The Bible says believe and be saved. Believe in who He is. Jesus came and preached repentance and faith. Repent. Turn around. Abandon who you are and accept who Jesus is. Call upon Him in repentance and you can be saved. If you want to talk about that, you come see me this morning. Whatever God is impressing upon your heart to do, that, that's what we want you to do. Father, we love you and thank you now for these, these opportunities we have to respond in obedience. In Jesus' name. Let's stand.